a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this Wednesday episode of Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. I'm in a bit of a blue mood today. Yeah, you heard that the uh, Presidential Debate Commission, they released yeah the names of the moderators for the four debates, which will take place, three presidential debates and one vice presidential debate. You heard uh, Maria just a, a moment ago announce that uh, Susan Page will be the moderator of the vice presidential debate here in Utah. I, I was making my case. I, I, I made my pitch. Yeah, I, I I think I can answer or ask questions uh, fairly well. You, you heard me uh, bragging about my ability. I moderated a congressional debate this year. Did you know that? Yeah, I think it went very well. Well, uh, it turns out Susan Page, with her decades of experience and uh, national exposure and having interviewed the past nine presidents and been uh, assigned to cover the White House administration and ten presidential elections, uh, she may have, she may uh, outshine me when it comes to uh, the the resume. Okay, fine. I will concede, and I will wish her very well. And uh, my next quest is to get my hands on a ticket to maybe be uh, attending that debate in person when it comes here to Utah uh, next month. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, interestingly, before we move on, there's a story I want to tell you. But before we get there, let me tell you. Uh, in addition to the name of the moderator being released here today, we also learn the the debate format. And if it's important to you, uh, listen up. The debate, uh, it will be divided up into nine segments. Each of those segments, about 10 minutes long, moderator will ask an opening question, after which each candidate will then be given two minutes to respond, and then the moderator will balance, uh, will use the balance of that time uh, in the segment for a deeper discussion of the topic. So there will be an opportunity for a very uh, very targeted response to the questions, the, the, the very much prepared and, and likely scripted version of the response, and then it will go into a a more casual back and forth. That's all coming up next month, Uh, so uh, we won't dwell too much on that, other than to lament, to lament yours truly not being tapped on the shoulder to to moderate that debate. Maybe maybe next time. Who knows? Maybe. I'll uh, I'll try to uh, beef up my resume between now and then. Uh, What I do want to discuss with you right now is a story that dates back to 1861. In 1861, there was a young man named James Hanger. Do you recognize that name? You might not. Uh, It's an obscure one. It goes way back. And James Hanger, in 1861, here in the United States, he uh, wanted to join, like his two older brothers, uh, into the Civil War. He wanted to be fighting for his family and for his beliefs and all. And so he, a, a smart guy, already bound for college, he decided at 18 to forego his university education and to uh, enlist. And so it was that uh, at the very dawn of the Civil War uh, that Mr. Hanger here, James E. Hanger, uh, begot, uh, began fighting. 
And in the very first battle of the Civil War, uh, he was injured, injured pretty substantially. There was a, a cannonball that came uh, bouncing into a building where he was. The, the cannonball uh, burst through the wall, uh, ricocheted off a pillar, and uh, caught James Hanger uh, in the leg, ultimately uh, requiring that he have that leg amputated. It's in the very first battle of the Civil War. He's got to have a leg amputated, and that's the end of his war. Not long after having uh, a battlefield amputation, uh, he was sent home. And he was down, and he was blue, and he was uh, uh, didn't really want to see anyone else, knowing that his older brothers and many members of his family uh, were out fighting. He felt as though he had failed by being injured sufficient to uh, end his time in the war, get sent home. And so he said, uh, I'm going to my room, leave me alone. So he marches upstairs, uh, he, he goes into his room, he's there shut in for what ends up being months. Months and Months and months. And his, his mother and sisters, they would uh, periodically uh, bring food uh, to the door, and he would never face them. Uh, the food was left at the door. He uh, would, when they had retreated, he would open the door quickly and pull the food in, closing the door. The only thing left later on would be, uh, would be an, an empty plate, some utensils. He also made some requests of various uh, pieces of wood, little bits of metal, uh, things from the barn, and he would uh, shout those requests through the door, and his mother and sisters would leave them there with the food, and he would collect them, and and so it was. It went on like that for, for months, for months and months. And then, after a time, James Edward Hanger, after it was presumed that he'd just been sulking, his mother very worried, thinking that he uh, felt like a failure and had uh, accomplished nothing uh, in the war, and that he was useless. After quarantining or isolating himself for all those months, uh, after having his leg amputated, do you know what happened? He opened the door to his bedroom, and he walked out. He walked out of that bedroom on two legs. How's that possible? Well, it turns out that instead of uh, watching Netflix or uh, just really uh, not being productive with his time uh, during the course of his self-imposed isolation, uh, what, uh, what James Hanger was doing was developing the very first articulating prosthetic limb, specifically the leg. Articulating meaning uh, that it could bend at the knee and ankle. He invented it at 18. And he walked out under his own power. Before he made this invention, really uh, from like the days of pirates, uh, there were there were pegs, peg legs. That's what people had for uh, for prosthetics. He wasn't happy with that, and so for those months after he was taken out of the fight, uh, he set about finding a way, inventing a way, creating a way with his own hands and mind uh, to uh, live in a way that he wanted, to create something that he wanted and needed. And you know what? He ended up filing for patents. He started a company. And before too long, his articulating uh, prosthetic legs uh, were being outfitted on amputees uh, around the globe. This is a company which endures today. Hanger Incorporated. 
In fact, here's a brief clip from the from the CEO today, uh, Vinit Asar. You fast forward 150 plus years later, and now we have a company that's in 45 states in the United States. We see over a million patients a year, and we are the leading provider of orthotics and prosthetics in the U.S. Because he didn't sit idly. Uh, because James Edward Hanger didn't sit on his hands and feel sorry for himself after losing a leg and being pulled out of the fight. He went to work. He invented something that changed the world. And as you just heard from today's CEO, it is a, a company which provides relief to millions of people around the world, including, including I stumbled into this little detail. You remember Aaron Ralston? Yeah, he was the, the, the hiker who got trapped here in a canyon in Utah and had to amputate his own arm. It was uh, a prosthetic arm from this company here, founded by that young man uh, who pulled out of the fight early in the Civil War, uh, who, who had created the, the prosthetic arm for uh, Mr. Ralston. So why do I tell this story? Why do I uh, share with you this little story that's been stuck in the back of my head for, for a long, long time? Someone reminded me, me uh, of this tale just yesterday. Uh, well, it's because we right now, while not fighting a war, we do find ourselves in a period of prolonged isolation of sorts. And we have for some time. And my hopes, my hopes are that, uh, you know, maybe you haven't uh, invented something that will change the world. That's okay. The, the, he set the bar pretty high. Uh, but uh, what you can do is set your own standard and, and come up with some new skill and new ability and maybe improve your way of uh, life somehow in some uh, small measure, silver linings, all that. Maybe you get a little bit healthier. Maybe improve your diet. We had a conversation in the newsroom just this morning, kind of evaluating our own behavior over the past number of months. Uh, Has it changed? Have we learned new skills? Are we more healthy today physically than we were uh, before COVID showed up? Are we more fit uh, mentally than we were before COVID showed up? I think that uh, it is important to take stock of that and to be aware of what it is we are learning, what we are doing, and how we are taking advantage of the opportunity before us. As frustrating as this quote-unquote opportunity is, and I get it, I totally get it, it's no fun. But uh, when there is adversity in front of us, it is beholden upon us to maximize it, make the best of it, and to emerge on the other side of it better than when, like uh, Mr. Hanger here, Uh, When we lost our leg, got shut up in a bedroom for months and months, we, at the end of it, ought to be empowered to walk out under our own power. Okay, Uh, I I wanted to tell you that story, and I'm uh, grateful to you for for enduring it and listening to you. If you have any uh, questions, 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. If you wouldn't mind there as well, let me know if you've picked up a skill. If you've picked up a new hobby or a new ability or if you've learned something new, I'd be fascinating to know. Fascinated. And I'll share those uh, with you after the break. 57500, Utah Community Credit Union text line. Let me know uh, how you have bettered yourself in the midst of heightened isolation as we battle this coronavirus. Next up, we're going to be talking about mail-in ballots. I know that's a topic that uh, we have discussed uh, ad nauseum here, but there is an interesting element to it, and it comes down to when the clerks are actually able to open the envelopes, right, that you mail in with your ballot. Turns out has a massive impact on the outcome and the timeline of the outcome uh, of the election. We'll get into those details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, 
I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.